Hello everyone, this is Lisa Fields, the founder and president of the Jude 3 Project, and I just want to take this time to personally thank all of our monthly supporters. We could not do what we do without giving from people like you. I greatly, greatly appreciate it. And if you're not a monthly supporter and you would like to become one, you can go to jude3project.org and hit the donate tab and sign up. We are grateful for you and we hope you enjoy today's new episode. God bless. Hello, welcome to the Jew 3 Project podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Fields. I'm the founder of the Jew 3 Project. Well, thank you for watching another episode of the Jew 3 Project podcast. As always, I'm your host, Lisa Fields, the founder of the Jew 3 Project. And today I'm joined by a very special guest, someone who's no stranger to the Jew 3 Project and my best <laughs> friend, uh, Corey Porter. Welcome, Corey. <laughs> What's up? Um, best friend, that was a bit of a strong, strong introduction. <laughs> <laughs> a bit of a strong introduction. How you doing? <laughs> Gail King, how are we doing? <laughs> We're not gonna act right. Come on, get it together. <laughs> okay. Uh, let our audience know a little bit about who you are. Yeah, um, as you've already introduced me, my name is Corey um, Porter, originally from Mississippi, best state in the nation. Um, right now, I, oh, right now I'm out of DC um, and I'm doing human rights work with an organization that is wonderful called Christian Solidarity Worldwide. Awesome. Well, many people don't know what CSW is. It's a fantastic organization. Can you tell our audience a little bit about it? Yeah, I mean, we started about 40 years ago. Uh, you know Merv, because you sit on our board at CSW in the U.S., um, but Merv Thomas started this 40 years ago back in the U.K. Um, I affectionately call him agent because he's quite old. <laughs> But but he's he's awesome. Like he's just so well versed in the human rights world. His heart is enormous for people who are being persecuted. And that just bleeds through the entire organization. Um, we have so many different analysts and advocates. Um, we represent over 25 different countries around the world. We're able to do high level advocacy. Um, that's before the UN Parliament, um, before the State Department. And we advocate for those who are not able to um, have their faith or their own or no faith. Um, but we do so because the gospel compels us to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And one of the things that I think is unique when I hear of a human rights organization that's Christian based is that y'all advocate for freedom for all, not awesome. just freedom for for Christians. Why is that important? I think it's important because it's the way of Christ in some real ways. I mean, you know, there's that passage in Luke 10 of the Good Samaritan. We always quote it for other different human rights works. But Christ uses that passage to talk to us as Christians. And he says, if you're going to get into heaven, you first and foremost got to love God with all your mind, soul, body off top. But then secondly, he says to love your neighbor. And then there's this lawyer kind of debating with him. He's like, who's my neighbor? <laughs> you know, and he says, my neighbor is the Samaritan, is the one that's the other, is the person that would never call on necessarily the name of Christ, um, mm -hmm. but the person that would, we would move toward and see human dignity in them. So whether it's mm -hmm. a Uyghur Muslim um, in China, um, whether it's um, a situation with a Christian being persecuted, like we'll talk about in Nigeria, we treat them both equally the same because both of those people have the Imago Day. And so we'll mm -hmm. scream to the high heavens when there's injustice because we believe that people should be represented fairly. That's that's powerful. You all are doing some amazing, amazing work. Um, you have a new initiative 
um, called Sing for Freedom, yes. which uh, I posted a video, but apparently I used the wrong song. You did. Um, you did. You did. <laughs> so I have to, <laughs> you have to go back. the video yes, and repost it. Uh, but what, what is Sing for Freedom and what was kind of the motivation behind it? Yeah, you know, I came from campus ministry work, like 13 years, right? And it's exciting and it's fun, it's engaging. And then I get into human rights work and I'm like, this is boring. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It is not the actual work. It's not the people, right? The people are fascinating and they're strong and they're resilient. And you're like, these stories are being like squashed down because it's just of a lot of technicalities and things are so within the discipline of human rights. And I was like, what does it mean to make advocacy, human rights work accessible? So then I was like, wow, the cool way to do that is to engage people where they are in means Mm -hmm. in which they can easily assess. And so Sing for Mm -hmm. Freedom is a campaign that we're doing from now all the way into November 7th, which is International Prayer Day. Um, And the goal, um, as you've already showed us and let out, Lisa, is to get people to lift their voices because we believe it holds an unimaginable power is to lift their voices through whether singing or lip singing, um, a, a song called Hold On by Sounds of Blackness. Um, mm-hmm. It's a whole story. Not on optimistic. That, by not optimistic, black. which is what you put up. Okay, get it together. Um, but, you know, <laughs> but it's fun, though, because you saw something with optimistic. When I look at Sounds of Blackness, I've actually stalked their Instagram page. I think the world of them um, is one of the reasons why I chose them as a group, a Christian group who really is pushing for social change. Um, they actually use optimistic as their song for their change. So it's kind of interesting that you chose that. Uh, But yeah, when people are to join the campaign, which is that they would do what you did um, if they do it correctly, uh, which is take the song of Sounds of Blackness, get it together, take the song Sounds of of Blackness called Hold On, and then you take, I'm talking about 15 second clips where you're either holding a sign up saying hashtag bring back our girls, or you're holding, um, or you're pointing to different places on the screen that kind of articulates um, remember, hashtag bring back our girls, but also it articulates a story in this story that many people have not yet heard, uh, the story mm-hmm. of Leah Sherbu. Uh, who is Leah Sherbu? Her story, mm-hmm. I had never heard it before yeah. I before uh, you told it to me, and I thought it was such a powerful story. Who is, who is yeah. Leah? It is, Lisa, it is quite powerful. And I mean, you are dear in my life, and you we talk every day. And you know how much I'm wrecked by this story. Like as soon as I heard it, it just gripped me. And I think as many people are starting to hear it too, it's starting to grip their hearts. Um, and so this young girl at 14 years old was in Dapichi, Nigeria, and she was at school with like 110 other classmates. Mm-hmm. And this armed uh, bandit group called the, um, the ISWAP, which is a fraction group of, you may remember Boko Haram, which is like an Islamic terrorist group. So the Boko Haram, this fraction group ISWAP comes into her school and when they're there, they take them and the other girls um, out. But in the force of all this situation that pops off, what happens is five of the girls end up in the struggle, lose their life. So mm-hmm. Leah goes along with her classmates to the encampment where the ISWAP, where the soldiers will keep her. And so again, because of international pressure, which is exactly what Sing for Freedom is trying to do, because of the international pressure, all the girls were told to be released. The Nigerian government put pressure on them and the girls were um, pushed off to be released. So that was a great setup. So Leah gets to the caravan, gets ready to get in to, um, to, to be taken back home. And then the, the terrorist group stop her and they mm-hmm. stop her in her tracks. And they say, before you leave, you have to denounce Christ. And so, again, you have to pause for a moment because here she is, have seen several of her classmates die. Um, she's not only seen several of her classmates die, but she knows she gets to go home literally right now if she just chooses to be able to denounce Christ's name. And instead of denouncing him, she actually chooses Christ and she says no. 
she says, I'm going to stand for my faith here. So she mm -hmm. says no, and her classmates, and I say this again, because I don't think people understand what it means to be 12 or 13, like they don't remember back. But when you're that young, her classmates were trying to push her to say, hey, if you just pretend not to you know, believe in Christ, when you get back home, you can just right now, just pretend not to. And she still said no. So when the reports of the girls came back and told her parents that her parents praised God because of her boldness of faith. But see, again, it is very much boldness because we hear that and we're like, well, maybe I would have stayed with me. I wouldn't have. But you got to think about the terror of this young girl. She's mm -hmm. again, 14. And for her, she's grown up in a space like hashtag bring back our girls where she knows that these men are not just going to take her and put her somewhere in a dungeon. No, they're going to take her. They're going to be rapings. Right. There are going to be forced conversions over to Islam and there is going to be brutally and brutally beaten. So because she knows that and she still stands her ground, it makes her story all the more emboldening, all the more in, like intense. And so long story short, to finish off, they take her back to the encampment. And instead of, you know, killing her, which they were going to do, they instead decided to kill another U.S. aid worker who died in her place. Mm -hmm. Moving forward, what they end up doing was they saw that this morale, this um, that this girl, this young girl was able to embolden the Christian faith. So what they wanted to do is squash that out, out of um, many Christians in Nigeria and many Christians around mm -hmm. the world. So they decided to keep her as a slave for life. So, again, I said mm -hmm. that was 14 when she was taken. Honestly, they're showing they're showing their word to be true. She's now 18, still in captivity. We have reports that her condition is continuously getting worse. Um, we have reports, not only has she been forced, probably married off to one of the heads of the Boko Haram leaders, um, also she's had to bear two children. Um, so again, you see these situations pop off and you have no choice, whether you're Christian or non-Christian, but also for people, particularly in the household of God, to be able to say, hold up, let me pull back for a moment. Let me look in my day and let me say I can record a quick video or sign a quick petition to be able to actually push um, efforts out to be able to get this young girl free. That is powerful. Um, yeah. I don't I don't see how you hear that story and not want to take yeah. time out of your day to record a video for social media. Yeah. Um, you you are also not only advocating for Leah, but many girls like her. Can you yeah. share uh, share about uh, their what they're dealing with in Nigeria today? Yeah, and I'm glad you kind of brought that up because I think some people think, oh, the case of Leah again is one. But again, when I, I cannot back, I cannot say this enough, but it's not just the Leah story, but she's representative of so many children in Nigeria. So you have, again, young girls who are being targeted in these school abductions, but you also have young boys. So mm -hmm. two, two quick stories that come to mind is, again, the hashtag bring back our girls. The reason why we couched it in that was because in the American public, we remember Michelle Obama holding up the sign, right? And so we're trying mm -hmm. to jog that memory. But if you remember back, it was April 2014. And the, again, the book along goes into this uh, town called Chabak, which is where mm -hmm. the girls, Chabak girls get their name. And they go into this um, this Nigerian school uh, for girls and uh, and they, t they take them out. But addition mm -hmm. to that, like they set uh, fire to different homes, they set fire to different uh, public buildings, um, and then obviously looting and things like that. And so mm -hmm. when they take the girls away, over 200 girls, you start to see, again, that pressure internationally from Michelle and others that are able to bring the girls back. But a significant number of those girls still remain. And mm -hmm. so when we look at reports from whether it be USERF or UNICEF, when we look at these reports, you start to see these children, over a million children are estimated not at all to be able to go to school this year because mm -hmm. of the terror of what's happening. So if you think about this, like your mom 
you just want your child to be able to go to primary school, fifth, sixth, seventh grade, and be mm -hmm. able to get a basic education. But you're so intimidated that if you let them go to their schools, that you literally won't see them again, which was mm -hmm. the story of Bethel Baptist. Um, so we've tried to talk about this before, but Bethel Baptist is also um, a school that most recently, as of July, um, mm -hmm. the children were taken in mass, as well as some of the staff were taken um, by the terrorist group. There's a young boy named Emmanuel mm -hmm. who kind of mm -hmm. tells this story about he woke up and the gun was on his chest. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you're in school and it's like two, I think it's 145 in the morning and they're just sitting there and the terrorist group come in and everybody's in chaos and you just wake up to a cold gun pressed to your chest. And so you have no wow. choice but to comply. Several of the kids mm -hmm. ran, um, some of them ran so hard that they left nothing behind but their shoes because they were so intimidated. And so you see these parents out there weeping, weeping over shoes because that's all they have left of their, of their, of their children. Um, so again, these are Christian targeted um, university um, schools, um, young kids, um, again, both girls and boys, but it's systemic and it's, it's exact because you know, if you crop off the head of a next generation, you're able to really control that populace. Um, so yeah, the vulnerability again is, uh, is ubiquitous throughout Nigeria when it comes to school and security. So again, it can't sing for freedom. Um, it's Leah, Shabbat girls, but again, as a human rights organization, we analyze this and see, oh, it's systemic. It's also just Nigerian school insecurities. So that's what we're pushing for in our uh, petition to Biden. Wow. Wow. That's 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 a lot to think about and what yeah. these young, young kids are going through there and the fear that the terror that not only children, but adults live with. Um, one of the things you shared with me that was so powerful was one of the motivating forces behind Sing for Freedom and how you how you think through it biblically. I think it's so impactful. Can you share that with our with our audience? Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> this this came at a really sad time. Okay. So we're working all our butts off from January all the way up to now the launch, and I am tired. Okay, can I get an amen? And you oftentimes tell me, Lisa, you don't work for me. Um, but I have, called, <laughs> I have called on every friendship I got. I have, I have, I have coerced. I have, I have cried. I have done everything to get this campaign to get these girls free. So you know, you're fasting, you're praying, you're just really seeing, like God, what are you gonna do? So I was laying on my floor. We ain't even on the bed. We just on the floor, praise God. And I'm talking to him and I'm like, Father, I don't know what to do. And so as you call it, I do Bible roulette. I said, I don't know a passage for this. I just need you. <laughs> I just need you. And so I opened my scriptures. Oh, it was so good. He, and this is what makes you just want to cry to him because I called on him and he answered me in his word. Oh, it was powerful. And so I opened the scriptures and I just don't remember the story. I don't know where I've been, but it's in Second Chronicles 20, the story of Jehoshaphat. Right. And it mm -hmm. blew my mind because this is exactly what I felt God was leading me to do for Sing for Freedom. It is that and if some people remember, some of you don't. But it's the story of Israel having these ites, these Mennonites, Ammonites come against them. Um, and particularly they were fearful. Israel was king. It said that King Jehoshaphat was actually scared. And so what he did was he called upon the name of God. and He began to fast and call all of Israel to fast. And then when God came by his spirit, he comes to these men and these men tell Jehoshaphat that he says, hey, actually, don't be afraid because the battle is actually not yours. It is the Lord's. 
And so, you know, you think you are intimidated. You feel like these ites are going to come and take the encampment of Israel. Again, I promise you, it has an actual motivation for seeing fruit. But, but I'm like, okay, that feels like me. I feel a little intimidated by these serious groups who are taking these young girls. I feel like all the efforts that I'm doing may not land and have these girls taken out. And I would feel heartbroken, to be honest. So there's a real sense of fear for me. Um, I won't speak for CSW, but for me, there's a real sense of fear because I want to see this come to fruition. And then God speaks as he does to Israel. He says, don't be afraid because the battle is not yours, but it is mine. But there is something that he tells Israel and Jehoshaphat to do. And I, I just, I was like, oh my gosh. He tells them to don't fight, but to go out to the battlefield. And when they go there, there are to believe and to sing. And I was like, yo, that's exactly what I'm doing for Sing for Freedom. I'm calling people to believe in the power of our God, to move on behalf of these girls and to lift their voices and to sing. And I lost it. Okay. In prayer and worship, I straight up lost it. I said, Father, you're so good. Like you've already captured Sing for Freedom in the redemptive pages of scripture and you kept it there so that I could be motivated and encouraged. And we can all see that God can move. And I'll, I'll end the story by saying this because it was really powerful. Not only does Jehoshaphat and Israel, again, they lift their voices to sing, but another thing that they did when they believed in this and they went to the battleground, they saw that all the bodies had laid out, that ites had been destroyed by God himself. It said that because God had fought the battle, all the nations knew of the glory of God and his power and the might of his hand. And so the entire world now knows because we stand to sing and we lift our voices of the power of our God around the entire world. So Leah will be the girl who makes the world sing for the glory of God. And it's so powerful that people are starting our influencers like KB and Genetics and Mark Hall from Casting Crowns, people are coming on board to say, let's lift our voices and let's sing this out because we believe in a God that will move on our behalf. Amen, friend. Yeah, girl, I was like, ah. So if God is good, he'd be powerful out here. <laughs> <laughs> for, for those who, who want to join, there's the steps uh, of singing, signing the petition, but also yeah. giving to the work yeah. of the organization. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, uh, these, this, there's a team of people that work alongside of you yeah. um, that are, that are doing hard work in CSW UK and other nations. And yeah. the, um, as you, you sing for freedom, mm -hmm. as you sign the petition, but also don't forget to donate to financially support the work. Just like mm -hmm. I say for G3, every gift helps equip. Mm -hmm. And in the same way, CSW, every gift you give helps uh, people to be equipped um, in the work of advocacy and to yeah. help. Um, so the, there is a consider financially contributing so people can, more people can join the efforts of advocating for, for Leah Sherbrew, the Shabbat girls, and all the other ones in, in Nigeria that are suffering and all across the globe. Yeah. Um, when, when people think of religious freedom, um, what do you want them to think of versus what they usually think of? What do they, what do they usually think of Lisa? What, <laughs> what, what, do, they, what do they usually think of? I don't, don't know what you mean. Um, but um, I don't know what they usually think of. Um, but I do Or they might not think of anything. They may not. I do think that's what I'm up against in some real ways. People have no concept, honestly, of what I'm talking about half time. So that's always fun. But we get to introduce this to people. Um, but I want people to know that they can be a part of this. 
Like, mm -hmm. um, again, I love being a black woman in the United States. And when it comes to BLM matters or it comes to matters of people who are disenfranchised, would be poverty, school situations or, uh, you know, again, um, access to education. I feel like I'm very quick to be like, what can we do here? And so I really want us to realize that, that same energy that we have for our own and for others here in the states that are suffering, whether it be, again, Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, as quick as we are to pop off there. I still, again, your audience is primarily Black church audience. I also want us to realize that we need to have that same energy for the continent and for the diaspora. And so whether it be the situation in Haiti or whether it be um, a situation in Africa in the entirety of the continent, we need to be one of the first ones to lift our voices because there is a sense of privilege as much as we are dis, um, disenfranchised here. There are some senses of privileges that we have, which is that we have access to the halls of power in the United States. And we can put pressure on the international on the U.S. government as well as the international government to move. So I just want people to start to realize like, wow, like my citizenship is not just so narrow, but it's global. And I think that's starting to naturally happen. I think we as a people are starting to see our identity a little bit more and start to trace our heritage back to where we came from and on the continent. But one of the biggest reasons why I felt like Leah was such an amazing story for our people to start to get behind is that I felt like, wow, like if they can see themselves in Leah, then maybe they, we can start to see ourselves in the Uyghur Chinese people. I'm a Muslim mm. subset there. So starting to see our horizons um, you know, expand a little bit more uh, and not just, again, the great needed work here. Ain't nobody shying away from that. We push harder on that. Um, but we also, because we're, I, I'll say this, we are so qualified to be able to look into the international suffering because of our domestic suffering here as Black people. Mm -hmm. That's that's helpful. And I, I love how you mentioned the weaker people yeah. um, because, I mean, I wouldn't even know that that was happening uh without actually you telling me that because i had yeah. no idea because my you know you're focused on yeah. what you're dealing with in your space yeah. and it's like seeing that there's so much going yeah. on around us yeah. uh so much uh that we're yeah. navigating through so and really fastly so it doesn't take away from what we do i just want to make that very clear like because we are able to do that, we're um, look outwards and internationally, it actually helps support the work we do here on the ground, um, whatever your field or discipline is. I just think sometimes people will be like, I don't have that much energy to look out. And it's like, no, sis, when you sacrifice for others or bro, when you sacrifice for others, you're able to be able to be more profoundly effective in your actual um, discipline or work um, because you have that influence from other outside voices and spaces. Mm -hmm. And it helps put things in a global perspective. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite books is uh, Seeing Jesus Through Middle Eastern Eyes. Mm. Um, and in the book, he tells the story of Mother Teresa in Calcutta and how she goes mm. to a family's house that um, hasn't eaten in a while. It's a single mm. mother of, I think, four or five kids. Mm. They've heard about her. They take some rice to her immediately when they get give her the rice she immediately looks at it, splits it and leaves. Mm. And they're looking at each other like, where did she go? Mm. And when she came back, they were like, where did you go? And she said they were hungry too. Mm. And even if her own suffering, she saw that her neighbor did food as well. And That's so good. her immediate um, response was not to just make sure uh, she was good, but to make sure her neighbor also was good and her neighbor's family. And I that was so convicting to me yeah. because, you know, usually when we're in our own suffering, yeah. we're focused on our own. But that's reading that story was very jolting. Like, 
Yeah. A, seeing outside of yourself helps you put what's going on in your life in perspective. Yeah, that's powerful. I love that. What was the name of that book again? Jesus Through Middle Eastern Eyes. I love that. By kind of daily. That's good. Um, is there anything else you want to share with our audience as it relates to religious freedom or uh, sing for freedom? Um, I have two things. So one, guys, join us in this. Like if you join us in this type of work, you will not ever be disappointed because the glory that you'll be able to see when God does move is that you'll be able to have an even more resounding praise. Like, so joining us in this effort, joining us in Sing for Freedom, I just, I'm so thankful that God has called the church to be able to move in this spaces. And people who are non-church who are just saying, this is injustice and I don't wanna see it. Um, so that's one. And then um, two, yeah, I didn't know you read books. So it's really great to kind of see <laughs> that when you read, when, when, you're, when you read and they educate you, my God, it's powerful. And I just want people to know how powerful that is to know <laughs> that you out here read books that are just helpful for the conversation. So praise God. <laughs> praise God. I don't, I don't even know how to come back from that. Um, let our audience know your social media handles and the website for Sing for Freedom. Yes, the website for Sing for Freedom is www.singforfreedom.co. And then our social is uh, CSW underscore USA. But also, I we didn't get a chance to get into this, but we have the blessing of having such a big global network that we also have CSW Nigeria, CSW UK, CSW Malaysia, and CSW in Postal 18 out of Mexico. So not only would you follow us, but would you please follow them and share your videos and tag us all. Um, so yeah, thanks so much. Awesome. Well, thank you all for, <laughs> for watching another episode of the G3 Project podcast. As always, you can catch all our episodes on our website at g3project.org. You can get our curriculum through Eyes of Color, take an online course, get merch, all of the things at g3project.org. Remember, we have a couple things coming up. We have our Christ at Work webinar, which only at last check had about a little over 20 slots left before it sells out so make sure you register for that registration is free but required and it's october 28th at 7 p.m we have problematic passages happening on january 20th in chicago at progressive baptist church at 7 p.m um, if you're not in the chicago area we will be live streaming on facebook and youtube that night so it is guaranteed to be a major time but if you're in chicago definitely check it out you can also give become a monthly supporter at jude3project.org uh, backslash donate um you have the option to give online or um mail in your contribution thank you so much and remember support financially csw usa at their website as well um remember here the jude3 project we're helping you to know what you believe and why you believe it. until next time grace and peace and god bless Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Jew 3 Project podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can tune into all our past episodes at www.jew3project.com. You can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, 
Google Play. Remember not only to subscribe, but also rate us. That helps us to gauge how we're doing and how you're enjoying the show. And it gives other listeners some ideas about the show as well. So thank you so much for tuning in. Also, remember we have our Bible engagement app in partnership with Back to the Bible to help you get better engaged in the Bible every single day. You take a survey, it assesses your strengths and weaknesses and sends you Bible verses based on those. So it's a great app. You can download the app by searching in your app store or Google Play, searching Jude 3 Project, and it'll be right there for you. So thank you again. Remember, if you would like to become a monthly partner or a one-time giver, you can do so on our website or by mail. Just go to Jew3Project.com, hit that donate tab, and you'll see the option to mail in a gift or give online. We appreciate you, and I'm so, so thankful for you. God bless, and remember, here at the Jew3 Project, we're helping you to know what you believe and why you believe it.